Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. And so if you're taking notes this morning, which I hope you are, the title of my message is That's Our Song. That's our song. I was, uh, I was taking one of my kids to the grocery store. This is like, would have been a few weeks ago. And every once in a while, um, you know, I have to go get something that we need but don't have. And I use the need, the word need very strongly here, where you realize like, oh my gosh, we need ice cream. And so I grab one of my kids and we'll go to the grocery store and, and get it. And as I was walking through this grocery store with one of my kids, I noticed on the radio, um, like, or well, I don't know what it is. Is it the radio? Is it, do they have their own little internal thing? Who knows how it works? But for whatever reason, I noticed that this song came on that is a special song to me. And I just stopped and I was like, I nudged my kid and I was just like, this is, this is like our song, you know? And they're looking at me like, what? And I'm like, well, I mean, not me and you, but like me and your mom, like this is our special song. And they just sort of looked at me like, I don't get it. And I'm like, it's a thing. Trust me, okay? It's a thing where, like, your mom and I, when we were just sort of getting to know each other and we were falling in love, we were spending a lot of time together, and then we started dating, and then we moved apart. And this is a song that we would listen to a lot, and it would make us think about each other. And when we weren't together, it would make us think about how much we loved each other and wanted to be around each other. And every time I think about it, it makes me think of your mom. In fact, I feel like I kind of want to just leave and go home and make out with your mom. And they were like, oh, dad, you're weird. And I was like, you know what? You're weird, okay? This is not weird. It's perfectly good and, in fact, holy, okay? And this is what this song stirs up for me. And my kid was like, I will never listen to this song again. You've ruined it for me for life. Um, but I wonder if you have sort of this thing uh, in your own life where you have a certain song that means more to you than maybe it does to other people. I wonder if you have ever had a song come to define maybe even a whole season of your life. Maybe it was a moment where you were falling in love. Maybe it was when you first got married. Maybe it's a song that reminds you of an ex. And so anytime it comes on, you're like, we must leave this restaurant immediately, right? It makes you angry. It makes you upset. Maybe it reminds you of junior high. Uh, maybe you have a song where it just reminds you of a certain stage in your life. And uh, if you're like me, junior high was an awkward stage, so I don't always want to go back to those songs. Maybe you have a song that reminds you of high school, and maybe that was a great time. And there's something about it that it's, it's deeper than just the song itself. It's speaking to something deep inside of you. It's, it's connecting with you on a level that you can look and see in the eyes of everybody else who may be hearing or experiencing that song. It doesn't hit them in the same way. And maybe you've gotten to a place where you're like, like me, you're like, that's my song. And, and yet it's, it's not, right? I mean, it is, but also not. And uh, I hate to break it to you, but you are probably not the person that the artist had in mind when they wrote that song, okay? I know you're like, no, 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 I was. Lil John was thinking of me, okay, <laughs> when it came into fruition. But it, he probably wasn't, okay? He probably wasn't. And yet we have this way of latching onto it. I actually found out, I, I did a deep dive on, on Gretchen and I's song and found out that it's not even a love song at all. It's a song about a guy who gets broken up with by a girl, but he still loves her and he's pining for her, 
and then he confesses to being codependent, and then she eventually leaves him, and he figures out it's for the best. That's my love song with my wife. <laughs> Which, if my therapist is listening to this, we can unpack that this week. But uh, to us, it doesn't mean that, right? To us, it means something else. To us, it's special in a different sort of way. And, you know, this is how art works, right? Like, this happens with a lot of things, not just songs. Like, we stumble onto something at a specific moment, and it grabs us, it resonates with us, it feels like it is speaking directly to us, we see ourselves in it, we latch onto it, and we take ownership of it. And we're like, that's mine. And it feels like it is. And in some ways it is, and in some ways it's not. Not really, but kind of. And again, this doesn't just happen with songs. It, I think it also happens in a spiritual way with, with Scripture. You probably heard someone say before that they stumbled across a certain uh, verse or passage of Scripture, and they're like, oh, that was just for me. That's just what I needed. Oh, that's my verse, right? And there's probably part of you that was just like, is it your verse? I mean... Maybe you've had this experience yourself where you felt like this was true of you. There was something about that piece of scripture that spoke to you in a very specific moment. It felt like it was written just for you. It felt like you needed to hear it. The timing couldn't have been more perfect. And something about it gave you a significant amount of insight and direction and peace. And you just thought, man, this is, this is just for me. But much like a, a song that you fall in love with, uh, Scripture really wasn't written to you. You, know, you probably weren't what the author, who the author had in mind when they wrote whatever that passage was. And this is a pretty good bet that I could make because you weren't alive then, okay? Um, in fact, at, at the very least, whatever Scripture that you find yourself drawn to was written at minimum a couple thousand years ago. Uh, in a different language, a language that you don't speak, to a people that you don't know, in a culture that you've never experienced. It couldn't be more different than the life that you're living now. And yet, at the same time, it still feels like it's calling to you. What is that thing? The reality is, just because a particular passage wasn't written to you, doesn't mean there isn't a message in it for you. And we've experienced this in a really, a very real way if you've spent much time around scripture. Maybe it was something you read, maybe it was something you heard in a sermon or saw posted online. And this is because this is sort of how all art works. God crafted scripture much like an artist crafts whatever it is that they, uh, they show their, or communicate their truth in he crafted it to say something particular about a particular situation, but also to give us each insight into our own personal situations. And you can sense and feel this when you are thumbing through Scripture. And the deeper you go, the more profound it becomes. And maybe this is just kind of like, I don't know what I think about this, right? Like Because people can get into all sorts of trouble when they claim Scripture for themselves, when they think that something is speaking directly to them. And we've all seen people do all sorts of like dangerous, destructive, despicable things because they felt like a passage was speaking to them and were like, I don't think that's what that means. And I think that you're using it wrong. And yet, 
there is this sense that there are more than one way to experience Scripture. In fact, this isn't a new idea. If we go back into and, and look at our, our spiritual ancestors, the ancient Jews, they've long had uh, two distinctly different ways of approaching the reading of Scripture. And these things are meant to be held in tension with one another. They're meant to counterbalance one another. It's not either or, it's both and. And the first is to read scripture objectively with your head, right? And the idea here is to try and find the original intended meaning of the text in context. And this is essentially what you see us doing when we're preaching or talking about text. And I'll be like, okay, wait, that sounds weird. Let's go back in time. Let's, let, here's what's happening at this time in history. Here are some words that get crossed over into English. And if we go back to the original word, it's a little bit different, which kind of shades the experience a little bit different. These people, if we just sort of pull out this verse and put it in our modern times, feels weird, but if we go back and we talk about sort of what the culture was like and sort of turns of phrases that people used and what was normal in their culture, it starts to make a little bit more sense. The heart behind or uh, the, the, the idea behind trying to understand scripture objectively with your head is to get at what did the original author mean when they wrote this and what did God mean when he inspired this? But it moves beyond this to the sort of the second approach to reading scripture, which is subjectively with your heart. And the purpose of this is to try and figure out how God is using the text to guide you in your context, right? To understand that there is something that it's speaking to, something that happened to somebody else a long time ago. But there's also this sense that God wants to use it to speak to you in the here and now. That he wants to take these ideas, these concepts, these stories, and sort of guide and direct you and the life that you're living today. Give you insight into your relationships and your job and your family and your neighborhood. And there's a sense that we want God to speak to us in this way. And I think it ought to happen in this order. We need to understand what is objectively going on so that we can understand how subjectively it applies to us. And the reason our spiritual ancestors put so much stock in reading scripture is that they believed that nothing that God says in any other way or in any other context will override, undermine, or contradict what he has already said in scripture. And this is why when somebody says that they have something, a message from God, we hold that thing up and filter it through scripture. It's also why we find ourselves looking for messages from God in scripture. It's a both and approach. Seekers have long scoured the scriptures in both the Old and New Testament for um, the keys of living life in alignment with ultimate reality. Um, in fact, Jesus calls this living life to the full. Um, oftentimes in the New Testament, the religious people would talk about this as um, tapping into eternal life. This idea that heaven can actually invade earth. That the way that God wants things to be can actually invade the here and now. And in fact, scripture gives us uh, instructions about how that works. And, and in fact, Jesus is the one who is the key to interpret it all. There's this story where Jesus is having a conversation with a, 
a bunch of really religious people who are arguing with him about a passage in the Old Testament and, and what it means and how to apply it, right? They're like, okay, we all agree objectively this is what's going on, and da, 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 but like subjectively everyone should do this or this is how it should apply to everyone. And that's how we're going to end up living the life that God wants us to. And Jesus pushes back by saying something very profound. In John chapter 5, verse 39, he says this, you search the scriptures because they, you think they'll give you eternal life, the keys to living the life you want. But the scriptures point to me. And essentially what he's saying is all the stuff in here is really pointing to me, that all the scripture points to Jesus. Another way to say it would be that God speaks primarily through scripture. This is what we believe in our faith. But all scripture points to our need for a relationship with Jesus. And in fact, um, this is what it is supposed to be nudging us to do, nudging us toward. And this is why I tell people, like, if you want to know uh, how to understand or hear the voice of God, study the life of Jesus. Because Jesus speaks loudest, or God speaks loudest through his son, Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, the whole Bible is important, but some parts are more important than others. And the Jesus parts are the most important of all. Now, maybe like this is, answers a question for you of like, it seems like you guys here, you talk more about some stuff in the Bible than other stuff. And that's true. It's all important, but some of it is more important than other parts, and the Jesus parts are the most important. I could go into great detail about how to build an ancient tabernacle, not nearly as important to you today as maybe what Jesus says about loving your enemies, right? These are profound bits that we have to go back to and, and look at time and time and time again because they have a lot to say about how we approach our life and relationships here today. Because the more familiar we get with how Jesus thinks and speaks and acts, the easier it is for us to read the rest of the Bible through the eyes of Jesus and in doing so experience the heart of Jesus. And that's the goal, is that we would, when we read through Scripture, have this sense that our heart is sinking with the heart of God and that we are able to not just see things like him, but feel like him. Now, one New Testament author in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 says it this way. Hebrews 4 uh, verse 12. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now, if it's just objectively about one thing that it's about, people that lived a long time ago, then it wouldn't have an effect where it cuts into you in a very real and deep and personal way. Essentially, this verse is telling us that uh, you not only experience Scripture when you dive into it objectively but subjectively. You not only see what God is saying uh, to specific situations in Scripture, but you can sense him speaking supernatural insight into whatever it is you're going through right now. And it doesn't always feel great. I wonder if you've ever had this experience where you've read something in Scripture or heard somebody read a passage of Scripture, and for whatever reason on that day, it hit different. 
and it felt like it was slicing into you. There was this sense like that it was separating your soul and spirit, your bone and marrow. Like it was reflecting parts of you that you've been in denial about back to you. And you're like, oh. That it was showing you a way that you thought that is not aligned with reality and suddenly it occurred to you and it was like, whoa, what do I do about this? That maybe it was showing you that you had a sense about your identity that is different than how God sees you and he's like, let me encourage you with this and it sort of blew your mind. There are these moments in which scripture reaches into our heart and begins to change the way we experience ourselves, the world, and God himself. And yet, for a lot of us, we would probably say if we're honest, most of the time when we read the Bible, it doesn't feel like that. In fact, some of you are like, I have never had the experience you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. For some of us, when we read through scripture, the experience feels more like sort of studying a set of old sheet music that we can't read as opposed to this experiential moment of hearing our song. And I think it brings up this really important question is, how do we do that then? How do we learn to hear the music of scripture? How do we learn to experience what God is saying to us through this ancient word? How do we open ourselves up to read scripture, not just with our heads, but also with our hearts, with these two things in conjunction with one another? Um, One author, Pastor um, Mark Batterson, who has written extensively on scripture and prayer, says this. I think this is incredibly insightful. He says, prayer was never meant to be a monologue, but a dialogue, an interactive experience between us and God. Think of scripture as God's part and prayer as our part. The paradigm shift happens when you realize the Bible wasn't meant, just meant to be read through. It was meant to be prayed through. Now, some of you have never thought of this before, that scripture is not just something to be read through, but it's meant to lead us into a dialogue, a conversation, interaction with God himself. And essentially what Mark Batterson is getting at here is uh, this like ancient spiritual discipline that maybe you've never heard of, maybe you have a little familiarity with. It's something called Lectio Divina. And it essentially means holy or sacred reading. And what it is, is the practice of slowly praying through scripture in an effort to have a conversation with God as opposed to collecting information about God. And sometimes that's what we do, right? We read through the Bible and we're just trying to like learn things about God. And um, it's, it's sort of like the difference between like, you know, when you meet somebody and then you're just like, oh, maybe there could be a friendship there. I'm gonna stalk you online. And you go home and you look them up and you're just trying to find information about them, right? But you're not interacting with them. There's a difference when you actually begin to connect, when you begin to DM that person back and forth, when you actually take the things that you've learned and leverage it to have a conversation, interaction, when you ask questions of the other person. And this is what God is looking for with us in Scripture. Historically, um, because this is such an old practice, um, Lectio Divina happens in four movements, And these movements have all been uh, nicknamed after four Latin words. And I'll tell you what they are just so that you can sort of know historically where this thing comes from. Um, You have lectio, uh, meditatio, oratio, and contemplatio. 
And some of you are like, and is this a song sang by Opera Mano? Because that's what it sounds like. I feel like I'm in an old SNL sketch. And fortunately for us, you don't have to memorize this because um, author, theologian uh, Pete Gregg, who is the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, he actually updated sort of this, this path using the acronym PRAYER. Um, or pray, and, uh, and so he sort of changes these movements to something easier to latch onto and remember. Pause, read and reflect, ask, and yield. These are the four movements of Lectio Divina through the pray model. And I, I just want to walk you through these so that you have the tools that you need to actually pray through Scripture and get a sense maybe of what God is saying to you on a consistent basis. So... Um, the first one, P, pray, or pause. Uh, the first P of pray is pause. There we go. I said it right. <laughs> and the reason why it's important to pause is because most of us, we have a hard time switching gears, and yet our lives move really fast, right? So um, what can happen is we want to move from all the insanity of life to having a deep spiritual moment in like three seconds flat, and that's not usually how it works. We need some time to sort of switch gears because when we move from one thing to the next, it takes our mind and emotions a little bit to catch up, and that's why we have trouble being present um, in that moment. And so this is sort of a, a call to stop before you start, to settle your soul before you read Scripture. One psalmist says it this way. He's echoing um, something that God is saying to us. Psalm 46, uh, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Now, you may have heard this before. It's like a very famous verse from scripture, um, and yet a lot of people don't know what the first nine verses are about, and it is about how chaotic the author's life is at that moment. Um, it literally begins with the author talking about how much trouble is happening, that mountains are falling into the sea, that the nations around them are in uproar, that it's utter chaos, and after all those things, we get to verse 10, and the author says, and so because of that, be still. In other words, don't be still because of your circumstances. Be still in spite of your circumstances. The more chaotic and crazy your life feels, your relationships feel, the political scene feels, the more you need to take time to be still so that you can hone in on God's voice and begin to pull yourself away from all of these other voices. And so how do you do this? I think before reading, it helps to sit quietly, um, or some people like to take a walk right before, and I think that's fine. Walk slowly, take a few deep breaths of just, I'm showing you because some of you do not know how deep breaths work, okay? It sounds like maybe you should, but like, I've been around some of you where your breathing and talking style is, it's like, you know what, be still, Okay. Let's take in the air. And some of you, that will feel spiritual, but it's just because your lungs are actually getting oxygen for the first time that day. And God is like, I can work with that. Next is to like scan your body, right? Not with like an actual, like don't go get like an actual scan at a hospital. I'm just talking about use your mind to think from your, the top of your head down to your toes and to think through each part of your body and just notice where there is tension. A lot of times we carry tension in our body that we don't, aren't even realizing that we're carrying around. 
There are times when I will be walking around and I'm, I'm trying to scan my body and I'll get to my shoulders and realize there's tension there, right? And um, I'll look over at a window and I can see my reflection and I'm like, no wonder, because I'm like sitting like this, you know? My whole body is balled up and it's just like, okay, shake that out, relax that area of my body. And I also think that it's helpful to whisper a short, simple prayer to yourself just again and again. Um, other like practices might call this a mantra. It's really just a short, simple phrase to focus your heart and mind on Jesus. Like an example that sometimes I'll do is just, um, God, still my soul. And I'll just whisper it over and over again. God, still my soul. God, still my soul. God, still my soul. God, still my soul. It's just bringing my body, my mind to a calm place. Another word I'll sometimes use is like, Jesus, help me see the world like you do. Especially if I'm at a place where I'm feeling angry or frustrated or I'm stuck in my own paradigm or I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm being bombarded with all these voices and ideas from like culture, social media, news of just like, God, help me see the world like you do. Help me see the world like you do. Just preparing our hearts for what's next. Sometimes I'll use the, the prayer, Lord, help me hear your voice, not just mine. God, help me hear your voice, not just mine. And just echo it again and again as I'm calming myself. This moment is about quieting your soul, preparing your heart, and inviting the Holy Spirit to speak directly to you through Scripture. And um, for some of you, you're like, at this point, I'm just going to take a nap. I don't know if I could do the next step. But if you do end up being able to move on to the next one, it's read and reflect, read and reflect. And the idea here is to read through um, a section of scripture, often a very small section, a few times over and just sort of reflect on it and allow it to sort of sink in and, um, and sort of chew on that thing. This is about um, quality over quantity, right? It is about depth, not distance. And uh, this sometimes shocks people. Like when I was a kid, it, there was always this sort of thing of like, I grew up in the church. It was like, read your Bible every single day. And I would, and you know, my parents would be like, did you read your Bible? And I'm like, I read two chapters. And they're like, what'd you get out of it? I was like, nothing, but I did it. <laughs> I checked it off, right? And here's the truth. And maybe you've never heard somebody say this before. Jesus doesn't really care if you read your Bible every day, if you're not getting anything out of it. Because that's not really the point. The point isn't just to like check a thing off that you are mindlessly doing. What Jesus actually wants is a real sincere connection with you every day. And that can happen in just a few words or phrases. The Bible is a tool to get us into that place, and it's probably the best tool to be able to do that, but it means that we have to slow down, and it means that we have to probably read a smaller section. Um, on the first reading, because you're going to read a few different times, it's really just trying to get an overview of Scripture. And at this point, you're probably going to be reading more with your head than your heart, which is fine, because over the course of time, as you keep reading, you're going to sort of like allow yourself to descend into the depths of yourself. Um, but read slowly. Think about each word. Like focus on how the sentence is constructed. Uh, for me, it actually, to give weight to the moment as I'm reflecting, it helps me to literally think about like my image of Jesus and Jesus sitting down in front of me face to face and being like, there's something really important I want to talk to you about. Take a deep breath. And I'm like, Whew. and he's like, okay, here it is. And then I bring that sort of attention 
And I bring that sort of expectation to the scripture that I'm about to read. And then at this point, after you've read it once through and you kind of have a general idea about what is going on, let each additional reading be an act of meditation. And I know this is sort of like a cultural buzzword to meditate, um, but it is, it's, it's really finds its origins in scripture. And yet biblical meditation really isn't about emptying your mind, but about filling it with God's truth, of focusing your mind, your thoughts on the truth of God's word. Um, one Old Testament poet um, praised this prayer in Psalm 19, verse 14. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Because he's aware that whether he wants to or not, that we are beings who meditate. In other words, we latch on to certain words, phrases, and ideas, feelings, and we just sort of churn them on the inside of ourselves. And essentially what he's saying is, God, I want not just the things that I say and other people encounter from me, but what's going on in the interior of my mind, my heart, my soul. I want these things, the churning of these ideas to be things from you. I want the words that I read from you to seep down into the deepest parts of my soul. In fact, early Christians viewed meditation as um, essentially the same experience as savoring like a really delicious meal that you, you, you sit down at the table and you sort of focus your energy on that moment and you view each word or phrase as its own individual bite and as you take it in that you, you chew it slowly and you sort of move it around in your mind as you would move a morsel of food around in your mouth to sort of extract every last bit of of information embedded in that bite. Like, and you're really not trying to analyze it as much as you're just trying to fully experience it, to get every last bit out of it, to allow it to sink deeply into your heart. This is the act of meditation, and it requires us to slow and to calm ourselves in order to really do it effectively. And for a lot of us, you're like, I'm out, okay, because I got ADHD, and uh, that is difficult for me. I, I have trouble focusing on one thing for a long period of time. Like, what? I mean, how do I even do that? And I want to give you just a few tips to help you if it's difficult for you to just go over the same thing over and over again. How do you make it different and interesting every time you're combing through these words? And, and here are three tips that I utilize that hopefully will help you. The first is to use your imagination to see yourself in the story, to actually begin to ask questions as you're reading through something like, if I was there, why would I be there? Like, who would I be? What character would I be in the story? What would I be seeing? What would I be hearing? What would I be experiencing? Is there anything that I would be smelling? Is there anything that I would be tasting in the moment? Is there anything that, like, um, that, like behind, like, in the background that I would notice, but only if I was actually there? When we begin to envision ourselves inside of the story in which it's taking place, it comes alive in a different way. The second thing I would suggest is to notice what words or phrases jump out at you as you read. And what is interesting is different things are going to jump out at you uh, than jump out at somebody else because you're a different person. Your subjective experience is going to be different than theirs. There's sometimes when um, we're reading through scripture alongside someone else where we're like, oh, uh, that, that feels offensive to me. And somebody else is like, it just washed over me. I didn't feel anything from it. 
So to ask yourself some questions of like, why did that word or phrase offend me? Why did it frustrate me? Why did I feel tempted to skip over these two verses? Why is that? Why does this particular section inspire me? Why did it encourage me? Why do I feel the temptation to stitch it on a pillow and give it to everyone I know? (laughs) What is it about it that is speaking to me at this stage of my life? And the third thing is to pay attention to the actions you feel God telling you to take. Um, Sometimes as we're reading, we feel the need to do something with what we're reading. And it should push us into action. And sometimes it's like, man, I need to... I need to ask for forgiveness about this thing. I need to make an apology. I need, to, I need to go confess something to someone. I need to actually go do something that I've been avoiding doing, but God is clearly instructing me to do it. A lot of times these are promptings from the Holy Spirit to take action on what you're encountering. And this moves us into the A in the prayer acronym, which a prayer acronym, which is ASK. And this is essentially just talking to God about the observations that he's led you to. And you can do this by praying out loud, by journaling your prayers, which my wife does a lot, or walk and whisper to God um, as you're moving through your neighborhood or nature. There's no formula, but to allow scripture to sort of prompt you to have a conversation with God about what it is you're reading. And there are three sort of basic level prayers that I might encourage you to think about as you're reading through scripture, um, the first one is just help, help. And it's probably the one that we're most familiar with, right? Where it's just telling God what you need and bringing others' needs to him. Someone, when you're reading through, you're like, God, I need you to care for me in the way you're caring for these people in this story. I need you to come through in this situation. I need a miracle. I need a healing, right? This is the one that we're most likely to utilize. The second one is thanks. And it's essentially just verbalizing gratitude for what God has done for you. And a lot of times I think we get so caught up in asking God for help with what we want next that we sort of mow over and ignore everything that he's already done and showing gratitude for everything that he has already answered in our life and um, just slowing down and saying, thanks God for the breath in my lungs, for the job that I have, for everything that you've done for me, everything that I tend to ignore, bring it to my memory And then the third type of prayer is wow, right? Which is just being in awe, acknowledging the brilliance, bigness, and beauty of God. And there are passages of scripture that point us to how incredibly big God is. Like, uh, not just in size, but in scope. That God's knowledge is too big for us to understand. That, That God knows things that we don't know. That God places beauty everywhere, that God is a creator and has, has created beauty in and around us that he wants us just to be wowed by, just to take it in and allow scripture to bring up or stir up these prayers in you. And then the last movement is yield, the why on pray. And essentially, it's just asking God to make clear to you where you and he think and act differently and then empower you to submit your will to his. And this is the step that we tend to want to skip over of like, God, is there anything in me where I don't see eye to eye with you? And maybe I'm even in denial of it. Maybe the way that I see differently than you has been so ingrained in me, I, I, I don't even know how to recognize it anymore. And it's inviting God to bring that to the surface through scripture by looking at it through the eyes 
and experiencing it through the heart of Jesus and seeing where you and he different differ. Jesus describes yielding in this way, Luke chapter nine, verse 23. He says, if you wanna be my follower, this is Jesus talking, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. And this isn't usually like people's most like favorite fun life verses, right? <laughs> Dying to your own selfish perspective and preferences. But that's what it means to follow Jesus on a regular basis. And every time we open up the scriptures, we ought to expect the Holy Spirit to illuminate to us a way in which we think differently than God because we are not him. And a way in which we need to surrender something to him to become more like him because that's what a fulfilling life looks like. It, it, it amazes me that there are so many people who when they read through scripture, all they can seem to see are what everybody else is doing wrong and what everybody else needs to work on and what everybody else needs to fix. And yet what is so interesting is ancient Christians who followed this method in reading through scripture, they would have found that absurd because what they end up finding every time is ways in which God was saying, this is who I am, how you and I are different, and how I lovingly want to guide you to be more like me. Not how I need to use you to tell everybody else that they've got it wrong. That's not what God is trying to do in these moments. And I wonder if you really sunk into studying scripture not just with your head, but actually experiencing it with your heart, what God might show you about you that would transform you. This is why I wanna encourage you this week, at least once, just to meditate on a passage of scripture, preferably something from the New Testament, maybe something from the life of Jesus in the gospels, and use the pray method to take time to pause, read and reflect, ask and yield. I think it's a noble experiment to undergo because I genuinely believe that God does have a desire to speak to each and every one of us specifically every day through his word. I think God wants to bring scripture to life for you in a way that speaks to right where you're at. And at the same time, I want you to know that it is gonna be difficult for you as we move forward in this series and you try on other ways of connecting with God and hearing from God. It's gonna be difficult for you to hear from God in other ways if you have not yet practiced and gotten good at hearing him in this way, through scripture, the primary way he speaks. And so I wanna encourage you this week to practice reading with your head and your heart and in doing so, invite the Holy Spirit to help you move past just sort of seeing the notes on the sheet music of Scripture, wondering how in the world they apply to you, but to take you beyond that, to allowing you to hear, to feel, to sense your song on every single page, in every verse. Because although it's not yours, it is. Although it's not to you, it is for you. And God wants to illuminate it in a way that speaks to right where you're at and right what he has for you. And the result should be you becoming more like Jesus 
with every read through. And that's what I wanna pray into your life because if you commit to it, it'll transform you. Would you bow your heads across this room today as we pray together? God, we are so incredibly grateful for your love, your grace, your mercy in each of our lives. And we're grateful that you don't just create us and sort of leave us to figure things out by ourselves, but you give us your word. You speak to us about how best to live, about how to live life to the full, about how to latch on to eternal life, how to experience a heavenly existence in the here and now. And God, I pray that you would, as we lean into scripture, both objectively and subjectively, that you would speak to us, that you would show us what you meant then and you would show us what you were speaking to us now, that we would filter everything that we see in your word through the person of Jesus and that we would feel inspired to become more like him, to think like him and talk like him and act like him in every area of our existence. And it would revolutionize the way we live our lives the way we build our families, the way we contribute to our businesses, the way we go about conducting life in our neighborhoods and in our communities. God, may this act of hearing you speak through your word transform the world for your good. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.